Prayer is one of the greatest privileges we have as believers and a powerful resource we need to use. Today, we're learning how to pray our way to personal growth. This message is the second in the series, Talk to Me. The message is entitled, Prayers That Bring Growth. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as you get ready to study God's Word this evening. We're involved in a series of messages entitled, Talk to Me. We're talking about how to talk to God. How do you and I have interaction with and relationship with God? And part of what you have to learn as you're going through your Christian journey is that prayer is something that you and I develop competency and or capabilities with as we go through our Christian journey. You become a better prayer along the way as you learn how to pray effectively. And so part of what I want to do in this series is to really help you to learn how to pray your way through various things in life. I want to talk tonight about prayers that bring growth to your life, prayers that bring growth to your life. I'm going to share with you three things that are essential to understand because all of us need to be growing. Amen? You don't want to stay right where you are. If you stay right where you are, you will obviously stay the same your entire life. And so all of us want to be growing people. And to become a growing person, uh, there's some things that have to engage, you have to engage with in your life. And prayer is one of those things. And I want to share with you three things that you need to understand about praying your way toward spiritual growth and emotional growth and psychological growth and relationship growth because all these things go together. If your spirit is growing, your soul, your personality ought to be growing as well. All these things work together in your life. And so three things, let's dive in to the very first one. Most important thing we'll start with tonight is this, your biggest obstacle to a better life is you. I thought I'd get at least an amen on that one, okay? Your biggest obstacle to a better life is you. Now let me tell you, there is a better life for every person here. Isn't that great to know? That your life, wherever it is right now, there's something better for you. And the word better means greater, it means improved, more attractive, it means favorable, commendable, it means more advantageous, more effective, more excellent. There's something more excellent down the road for you, something in your life that is greater, something that is better. But if I ask you tonight, do you want something better in your life, most people would say absolutely, but as soon as you say, I want something better, if you're like me, your mind goes to all the obstacles and the limitations and the restrictions that you feel like are holding you back from a better life, right? For some of you might say, well, it's that person or it's that thing or it's my job or it's something that I feel like is restricting me in some way. My life would be better if, and you fill in the blank, what is the if for you? My life would be better only if this happened. And most of the time when we talk like that and think that way, our life would be better if it has to do with things that are out there. If I, again, had a better job, if I had more money, if I had a different house, if I had better kids, if I had a different husband, if I had a different wife, if I had a different set of circumstances, that's the mindset that most of us live in quite consistently. And it's really true that if you're, you're going to have a better life, something does have to change, right? Something has to change. You can't continue in the life that you have and expect your life to be better, but the something that has to change actually is you. That's the tough part. 
Because most often we want all those other things out there to change, but in reality, God says, if your life is going to change for the better, if your life is going to get better, a better life begins with you. Or we could say it this way, a better life begins with me. Say it together. A better life begins with me. It starts in my own life, and the biggest obstacle to a better life is not out there, but it's in here. The Old Testament gives us a great example of this in the life of a man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was a man who had a lot of obstacles, the Old Testament character Joseph. Anybody remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Let me give you a little history of Joseph's life. Joseph's life, he started out at 17 with this incredible dream that he had from God about one day being a ruler. And then not too long after that, he's subjected to the hatred of his brothers, and they're going to murder him, but eventually they sell him into slavery. And uh, now he ends up in Egypt, enslaved there in Egypt. And then over a period of time, as he's there in his master's home, Potiphar, he thinks, things are, he thinks things are going well. In fact, things seem to be going well for him until Potiphar's wife began to have a design for him and then falsely accuses him of rape, and he ends up in prison. And so he starts out with a dream, Joseph does, from God, and he ends up in prison. I would say that's not what you want on your resume, Right? He's going, it seems like, the wrong direction in life. He's not heading in the direction that it would seem like life would be successful. If there was anybody that could say, my life is miserable, there are a lot of things against me, Joseph could have very easily said that because he's got brothers who hate him, brothers that tried to, sell, tried to kill him or thought about killing him and sold him into slavery. And his, his master in Egypt actually accepts the accusations of his wife against him, and he's living in prison. And even when he's in prison, someone promises to help him get out of prison and then forgets about him and leaves him there. And so everything is going the wrong way. But if you study the life of Joseph, you will find out that Joseph did not let one of those things keep him down. He didn't allow any of those circumstances that were around him to become an excuse for why he couldn't grow. And what happened as Joseph is going through all these various situations of life, he continues to focus not on what's happening to me out there. He focuses on how can I grow in here? How can I take what's going on around me and how can my life get better on the inside? I can't change what's out there, but I can change what is in here. And I would hope that each one of us tonight would be reminded of the fact that there are a lot of things out there that you'll never be able to change but I will tell you there are all kinds of things that can be changed in here that will eventually change how you relate to and respond to those things out there. So let me talk to you about some of the things that have to change in you if you're going to be a better growing person in your life and experience what God has that is better for you. There are three areas of your life that you've got to work on, three areas of change that will be essential, three areas of growth that are absolutely necessary in your life. First of all, you have to focus on changing your thinking. That's where everything begins. We spent an entire series last year talking about thinking, thought processes. I want to bring it back to you again because your thinking affects everything. The Bible says be careful how you think because your thoughts shape your life, Proverbs 4.23. And so how you think is going to shape how you live your life, and if you're thinking in a deceived way or in a deluded way or in a fanciful way or in a foolish way about life and about yourself, if you're thinking immaturely, I promise you it will mess your life up. People's lives get radically messed up by thinking the wrong way. Deception in your thoughts 
All kind of things, foolishness in your thoughts will mess up how you live your life. The second word that you want to write down, you have to change your not only thinking, but your believing. Because foolish, faulty thinking leads to foolish, faulty believing. So you can believe the wrong things about yourself. You can believe, believe the wrong things about other people because you've thought the wrong things about yourself or about other people, or you've thought the wrong things about God. And because you've thought the wrong way, you start believing what you think. And by the way, sometimes you ought to check out what you're thinking and make sure it's worth believing. Amen? Because sometimes what you're thinking is not worth believing. Don't believe everything you think. Because everything you think is not true. And everything you think is not accurate all the time. And so if you begin to believe everything you think, if your thinking is, again, faulty, if your thinking is foolish, if your thinking is sinful, if your thinking is immature, then you're going to have you're going to have belief systems in your life that will affect how you navigate life in your belief system, and they're based upon absolutely faulty foundations. And so you have to work on your thinking. You have to work on your believing. And the third one, your behaving, okay? Because your thinking, your believing always works its way out in your behaving. If you want to know why you behave the way you do, I can tell you why you behave the way you do. Because you think the way you think, and you believe the things you believe. And because you think the things you think and believe the things you believe, you behave the way you behave. So behavior is really not a complex thing to understand. Very easily you look at your life and see what you do, what your behavior is, and it will give you insight into what your thought processes are and the belief system that you carry with you. And so these are the areas that, that you have to attack. And I will tell you that if you're going to have a better life the, your better life will not come from the outside, but you have to grow the inside things, the way, again, you think, believe, and behave. Here's our second point tonight. The second thing you must understand if you're going to uh, pray your way toward growth is that you must want to grow before you'll ever grow. Now, I think this seems fairly obvious, but I want to really zero in on this this, this evening. You've got to want, there must be a want to in you, or you'll never grow. See, desire jumpstarts everything in your life. Anything that you will end up doing or changing in your life, it, it goes all the way back first to a seed called desire. That's why, in fact, that's exactly how, I should say, uh, the serpent actually led Adam and Eve into sin. The serpent came in and made Adam and Eve desire the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And because that desire was there, out of that desire came forth the sin that resulted in the fall of mankind. And so the tr it's true in every realm of, of life. Desire is the spark that ignites the engine in your spirit and in your soul and ultimately creates the action in your body. And so you, whatever you desire is what will spark what you end up doing in your life. So you'll never go on a diet until you want to, right? You'll never change your eating patterns until you want to. You'll never start exercising until you want to. You'll never have a better marriage until you want to. You'll never build better friendships until you want to. You'll never grow in your spiritual life until you want to. It all starts with desire, and you consistently do what you want to do. Sometimes you say, I really don't want to do that, but I do it anyway. Well, guess what? You really want to do it. 
There's something in you that has not yet been resolved enough to say, I really, really don't want to do that. My desire is in a different direction. Anything that you consistently do is because you haven't changed your desire to do it. Ask any person that suffers with substance abuse. The first step in the process of overcoming substance abuse is acknowledging, I have a problem. And this thing has licked me, and I can't get past it, and I want to get past this thing. I have a desire now that is, that is much more intense than the, the desire of the substance. I want my life to change. And so it's true in every realm of life, you will never change until you want to. It's very true when it comes to your growth as well. No one can force you to grow spiritually. No one can force you to grow emotionally. No one can force you to grow, grow relationally. Growth will only happen if you want it. Now, how do you get to the place of really wanting to grow? I've learned in my life that one of the best things that, help me, help, that will help me to have better desires that lead to better action, actions in my life is to understand why I want something. What, what are the benefits behind it? For example, if I understand the health benefits of eating a certain way and exercising in my life, then once I really believe in the benefits of those things, out of my understanding of the benefit, there's the, there's the increased desire that I have to do it. When I can see that I, 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 the benefits, for example, of having a better marriage, then I want to work on my marriage. And so you have to see benefit in something before you will actually desire to do it. And so I'm going to share with you some of the benefits in your life for growing. This should motivate you to grow spiritually and emotionally and relationally in the days to come. Let me give you five benefits of internal growth, five benefits of spiritual growth, emotional growth, and relational growth. Number one, it will increase your personal joy. Anybody want more joy in your life? I do. I want more joy. All of us do. Now, how do you increase your joy? Well, one of the ways you increase your joy is by being filled with the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of joy in us. But there's another way that you can increase joy in your life, and that's by growing. By growing on the inside, getting bigger, if you will, in your life, it will help you to have more joy. Matthew 25, 20, and 21. Let's read this together aloud and loudly. Are you ready? Here we go. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Read it loudly now. Enter into the joy, circle that word there, enter into the joy of your Lord, the joy of your master. Now, how did this guy get more joy in his life? He took what was given to him and he grew it, right? He was given five talents and he took those five talents and he made them into ten, and because of that growth process, the master said to him, now you're in a position to have more joy in your life. Now, I'm going to say something radical right now that you may not agree with in this moment, but I promise you if you'll think about it, you'll start agreeing with me about this. I, I want you to know that your joy is not dependent upon what you have or what you do around you externally. 
Your joy is not dependent upon the circumstances of your life. The kind of joy that God wants you to have is not dependent upon everything being in order in your life at all times. Because if everything had to be in order in your life at all times for you to have joy, you and I would never have any joy because there's always something out of sorts in my life. How about you, okay? There's, something, there's, there's always something not cooperating with me. How about you, right? And so if joy is only meant to be experienced when everything's going well for us, then none of us would ever achieve and experience this thing called joy. But the Bible has designed and God has designed joy to be something that goes beyond the external experiences of our life. And I want you to know that you are in charge of your joy. Now, I said you wouldn't agree with me. I didn't hear many amens on that, okay? But you... At a certain level, you are in charge of your own joy. That's pitiful, I'm telling you, okay? You know, I know you're not saying amen because you're just letting it sink in to the depths of your spirit and soul, and it's just such a profound statement, right? Think about the Apostle Paul. We've talked about this before. But he's placed in jail in Rome. He's in the darkest dungeon in Rome. He's down in this horrible place where the, the sewer rats would have been. He's living there day in and day out. He's chained to a guard on his right and a guard on his left. It's dark. It's dank. It's the Mamertine prison in, in Rome. He doesn't see people. He only sees the guards day in and day out. And in that environment, in that environment, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians, which is called the Epistle of Joy. Now, had... Paul been dependent upon externals, there was nothing there in that environment to allow him to find joy out there. He had to find it in here. He had to find it in his relationship with God and the growth that he was experiencing in his life and his service for God in that environment. And so it's very important to realize that when you and I begin to grow, it increases our joy. Number two, it will make you more productive. When you and I are growing, obviously, there's productivity that comes to your life. And I found that, that people really do want to be productive. Productivity is a great thing. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said it this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit, but you cannot produce anything without me. And so when you and I connect in with Jesus, we begin to grow as branches connected to the vine. Out of that growth comes massive productivity, fruit from our lives. The third thing is that when you and I are growing, why do we need to grow? It's because it will bring you promotion. Growth brings promotion to your life. Let's go back to Matthew 25, verse 21 again. I'll read it for you. The master answered, reading from New Century Version here, the master answered, you did well. You are a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal, the other translation said faithful, you were loyal with small things. I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. In other words, the master said, because you took these five talents I gave you and turned them into ten, you were productive with them. I'm now going to give you more. I'm now going to promote you, and I'm going to actually, because I have a new level of confidence in you, I have a new level of respect for you, I have a new level of level of appreciation for you, I'm going to actually promote you to the next level in life. 
Now, the same is true for you, that when you, you and I begin to grow on the inside, forget about the outside for a moment, when you and I start growing on the inside, I tell you that people over you will see it, and people over you will take note of it, and people over you will develop more confidence in you, and out of that will come promotion for your life. God will take you to new levels out of your growth. The fourth thing, He'll make you a useful servant. That's why you and I need to grow is because it helps us to become more useful to God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Why don't you read this one with me? Let's all read together. In a large house, let's start again. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Notice verse 21, the first section there that says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter. That's cleanse themselves from impurities. That cleansing themselves represents or speaks to us about spiritual growth in our lives. See, stale people, people who are not growing, never serve well. The fifth thing is it will, it will allow you to inspire others. When you and I are growing, we become inspirational to others. Paul wrote it this way, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul said, the reason I'm asking you to follow me is because I'm following Jesus. I'm on the grow, and because I am growing now, you can follow me so that you will grow. And that's God's plan for every person here tonight. You know that? That God's plan is to make you more like Jesus so you can turn around to the people in your life and say, follow me as I follow Christ. And you'll be sure assured that you don't lead them astray because you're growing the right way in your spiritual journey. And so we need to be people who are inspirational to those around us. You know, the church world desperately needs, and the world around us desperately needs some people who are growing in such a way that they actually become models to the people around them. I think we've got a whole bunch of bad role models in our world, world today, don't you? Okay. We need some good role models some kind of role models that we can look at our teenagers and our, our growing up kids and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. You don't need to follow this, this movie star or this, this, this athlete that's going in all kind of crazy directions. No, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Let me be the person that inspires you to greater growth in your life. Now, there's a man in the Bible who experienced this in a very powerful way because he desired to grow. His name was Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, the Bible says. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. By the way, the name Jabez means uh, you are a pain. That's really what it means. And we've talked about that before, and I'll talk about it again later. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. The Bible says of Jabez that he was more honorable than his brothers. He had some brothers. He had a family in his life that settled for no growth that settle for just whatever life gives me, that's the way it is. They live life passively. They live life dishonorably. And Jabez one day wakes up and says, I don't want to be like this. Have you had one of those moments in your life? Maybe you're surrounded by people in your family or people in your neighborhood or people on your job, and it seems like they're just going nowhere and doing 
doing nothing with their life, and you suddenly wake up one day and say, I don't want to be like that. And that's exactly what happened with Jabez. He woke up one day and said, I don't want to be like these brothers of mine. They're going nowhere. They're doing nothing. There's no growth happening in their life, and I, I want some growth in my life. I want to grow up in God. I want my life to be expanded. I want to have greater territory. And I believe that first and foremost, the greatest ter- territory you can have in your life is not out there, but it's in here. You need to get a bigger heart, amen, a bigger life, a bigger inside, bigger character. And so Jabez said, I want God, you to expand my territory. And God said, Jabez, you're honorable. Why? Because this honorable desire started in him for growth in his life. If you want to grow, you have to, if you're going to grow, you have to want to grow. The third thing, final thing here this evening, the path to personal growth involves prayer. The path to personal growth involves prayer. Growth is an automatic Even if you have the desire to grow, growth doesn't happen without a process, without a plan. Desire isn't enough. Desire isn't enough. Desire is necessary, but it's really, really desire can be very romantic. It can be very uh, deceptive. It can be very idealistic. But real growth happens when you translate your desire into something more. You translate your desire into work. You translate it into discipline. You translate it into sweat. You translate it into effort. You translate it into action. Again, using the example of the physical body, if you want to get in shape, desire is a great place to start. It can ignite things in you, but at some point in time, you have to have a plan and a process, and you have to start working that plan and going about that process, and that's when it really gets hard. That's when most of us bail out. We don't mind the desire part, but when the desire has to be translated into the action part, that's when we tend to say, you know what, I'm not sure I really want to do this. But what you need to see in your life, if you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to grow emotionally, if you're going to grow uh, relationally in your life, you have to take that desire and you have to add something to it. And one of the things that is foundational and fundamental as a Christian that you have to add to your desire to grow is this thing called prayer. And prayer is an action. Prayer is something you do. Prayer is not just something you think. Prayer is something you do. And prayer is a key part on the pathway to growth. It needs to be, and in fact, I believe it needs to be at the top of your list when it comes to praying. I'm going to share with you four kinds of prayers that you need to pray if you're going to grow, all right? Very, very important prayers that you need to learn to pray and pray consistently if you're going to grow. The first kind of prayer to pray is what I call the show me prayers. If I'm going to grow, I've got to change, right? Amen? And I'm not worrying about changing that out there. Where's the change? In here, okay? And so if I'm going to change in here so that I can grow, I can't change something I don't see, right? I can't change something that I'm not aware of. I can't change something that I'm not perceiving in my life. And so show me prayers or prayers when you go to God and ask God to help you see things and understand things about yourself that you need to see and understand if you're going to grow. I'll say that again. Show me prayers or prayers that you pray to say, God, I'm asking you to show me things about myself right now that are standing in the way of me being the person that you want me to be. And God, show me what you want me to work on. 
Let me ask it this way. Do you believe that God has a list for you in your life, some things you need to work on? Well, if, you, if he has a list, wouldn't it be great to kind of know what's on his list, right? The great thing about God is he doesn't pull out the whole list at one time. There would be volumes, okay, for all of us, okay? But God just sort of pulls out a page with three or four things on it, two or three things on it, and says, you know what, this is what I want you to focus on right now, but if you haven't prayed to show me prayer, okay, if you're not open to God showing you stuff in your life, you're going to keep on down the journey of life and never get it, never understand it. And I promise you, as someone who's been walking with Jesus for a long, long time, there are things that God continues to show me about me that I need to know about me. You can be a Christian for 50 years or 60 years or 90 years or 100 years. There'll still be things that need to be worked on in your life. And so the show me prayer is a prayer that you never should stop praying because growth is tied into this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. So ever since we first heard about you, we have kept on praying. We've kept on doing what? So notice this passage is about praying. And asking God to help you, what's the next word? Understand what He wants you to do. Asking Him to make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor Him so that you will always be doing good, kind things for others while, while, while all the time you're learning, notice that learning, to know God better and better. I don't have time to break that passage apart, but that passage, that prayer is all about us being able to see and understand things in our lives that will push us further down the pathway of growth. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Why don't you read this together with me? It's a prayer that the psalmist David prayed. Let's read. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Notice that phrase, point out anything in me that offends you. That's a prayer that you and I need to pray. So what's the first kind of prayer you're going to have to pray if you're going to grow? Show me prayers. The second kind of prayer you have to pray are stop me prayers. Right? Don't just show me, but stop me. Once you start seeing things in your life that are unpleasant, that are sinful and destructive or less than what God wants you to be, here's our problem. We have a tendency to try to hide those things and cover them up or justify them or rationalize them and never deal with them. Aren't we good at rationalizing our problems? God shows us something and we say, well, I wouldn't be that way if it weren't for Him. I wouldn't be that way if it were not for her. I wouldn't be that way, God, if it weren't for these circumstances you've put me in. I wouldn't be that way, God, if you'd give me a different job. I wouldn't be this way, God, if you'd give me and you just fill in the blank for yourself. And so we have this tendency to take our responsibility and push it off onto somebody else or onto something else. And what we need to do is realize that when you and I, if we're going to grow, we have to come to this place of saying, God, would you stop me from trying to get away from my responsibilities to, to deal with issues in my own life? See, it's a lot easier to try to deal with stuff in other people's life than it is in your own life. Now, many of us, if I were to ask you about some of your close friends or your spouse or your kids or your parents, do you know anything about them that you'd like to see changed? Many of you could write volumes on other people, okay? 
because you know all the things that you want to see change in somebody else, but when somebody points something out with you or when God points something out with you, then all this defensiveness comes up and all this justification comes up and all these rationalizations come up, and God says, stop it. And you and I have to start praying those stop me, God, prayers. Stop me from rationalizing that this is okay. Stop me from justifying that this is all right in my life. Help me to stop. That's called, I'll give you another word for it. If you want a theological word, it's the word repentance. That's what it is. It's coming to the place of owning the responsibility for this in your life. Notice Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. New century version. Why do you notice the little pieces of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye. How can you say to your friend, let me take that little piece of dust out of your eye, look at yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the wood out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the dust out of your friend's eye. What is that all about? God, help me to stop focusing on other people, and to start focusing on me. Third thing, what kind of prayers do we pray? Show me, stop me. The third kind of prayer for growth is help me. All right? Let's do this again. Show me, come on, here we go. Show me, stop me, and help me. God, help me. Help me. Prayers are prayers that ask God for the power that is necessary to grow and change. Help me prayers are the way that you and I acknowledge that we don't have what it takes to change ourselves. It's a way that we connect with God and receive His power to do what He wants. See, dear one, tonight for all of us here, there are things that God wants you to change. That means you've got to ask Him to show you. You've got to stop rationalizing it and focusing on other people and then say, God, here's the issue. It's with me now. Help me. I need your power to change this. See, if you have a problem with anger, you're never going to conquer it by yourself. If you have a problem with substance abuse, you're never going to conquer that without God's help and power. You have to have a power that is greater than you, okay? If you're a liar, you need God to help you tell the truth, okay? If you're a thief, you need God to help you stop stealing, amen? If you're a gossiper, you need God to help you to stop gossiping, all right? Are you with me on these? These are things that you need the power of God to help you to overcome. And the good news is that he's willing to help you, but you have to ask him, God, help me. I need your help. I can't do this by myself. I've tried before, and I have failed, but now I'm coming to you, and I've God, show me and stop me and help me. Look now at this verse, Psalm 119, verses 169 and 170. Oh, Lord. Listen to my prayers. Give me the common sense you promised. Hear my prayers. Rescue me as you said you would. So he's praying this prayer. God, help me to think. Help me to have good sense. Help me to think the right way. And God, rescue me in the midst of this challenge in my life that I need to overcome. The final prayer is grow me. So review them again with me. Number one is to show me. Number two is stop me. Number three is Help me, number four is grow me. It's the growth prayer, grow me prayers. Let me take you back to the prayer of Jabez just for a moment. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Remember us talking about that a moment ago? 
His mother had named him Jabez, and the word means painful. Actually, it means you are a pain. That's the name that was given to him because she said that his birth was painful. Jabez, what's the next word there? What did Jabez do? Now, you've got to get this. Jabez was surrounded by a bunch of losers. Okay, right? Oh, it must have been because the Bible said he was more honorable than his brothers. So what does that say about his brothers? Not very honorable, right? A bunch of losers. These are guys that aren't going anywhere with their life, not growing, nothing's happening with them. And so here is Jabez surrounded by a bunch of losers, and his own mom didn't like him. That's true. I mean, if your mother names you, you're a pain, your mother doesn't like you, okay? okay. You don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. You wake up every day, I guess I'm just a pain, okay? So you're surrounded by a bunch of losers. Your mother doesn't like you. You have everything set up that would say, just, just give up on life, right? I mean, nope, nobody really is going to care for a guy that's called Jabez. But Jabez said, you know what, I, I don't want this in my life. And the Bible says that Jabez, what was the word again, verse 10, Jabez? That's important, folks. Jabez prayed to the God of Israel. Notice his prayer. Please bless me and give me more territory. Make, may your power be with me and free me from evil so that I will not be in pain and read the rest with me. God gave him what he prayed for. You ought to write a big hallelujah on your notes right there or amen. Because if he did it for Jabez, he will do it for you. If he did it for Jabez, he will do it for you. See, Jabez said, God, grow me. Grow me on the inside, God. Give me a bigger heart. Rule over me like you've never ruled over me before. And so he prays this prayer, and the Bible says that God heard him and God answered him. And just like Jabez prayed, grow me prayers, you and I can pray, grow me prayers as well. I want to say one last thing as we're wrapping up today. God has a bigger role for you in your life. Say it with me. God has a bigger role for me. Say it with me. God has a bigger role for me. But the bigger role that he has for you is not out there. Where does it start? In here. It starts right where you are. But here's the issue. For you to get there, you start here and you make the choice to grow. Right? I'm going to grow. Why? Because your biggest obstacle to a better life is who? You and me. We're our biggest obstacle. And if you're going to grow, you have to want to grow. You're not going to grow if you don't want to. And then you start realizing that my pathway, how do I begin this pathway to growth? I begin it with prayer. And what are those four kinds of prayer again? Show me, stop me, help me, and grow me. Let's pray together right now. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. We pray that in the name of Jesus, that Lord, that you'll help this word to get solidly established in our hearts and our minds. And I pray that we would begin to pray our way toward greater growth in 2015. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. 
Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.